I'm sorry, I think I'm too hungry to do this. I'm too hungry. <laughs> is it because the title of this is Bush and Ritchie's Daily Takeaway and it's immediately making you think food and you haven't got any? That's, uh, that's there, but I had a cheese sandwich on the train, which has not dented me at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm st- I've got to work after this as well, so now I'm getting even more hungry. What would be the minimum that was needed to go inside your belly to get you going right now? Oh, that's a good question. Go and tell me, Billy. Do you know what we had, right? We had a um, we had a roast dinner at the weekend, mm-hmm. and we had cauliflower cheese. Yeah. What's your view on cauliflower cheese? Uh, no. I knew you wouldn't like What is wrong with cauliflower cheese? Cauliflower. Really? <laughs> yeah. You never know with him. You always think, oh, I'll just double-check it. Because I'd love, I would have right now, just because it was such a revelation, I'd just have a bowl of cauliflower cheese. Okay. Um, and spoon it. What about uh, Mars Duo right now? See, no, I don't want sweet, I want savoury. Okay, all right, so I'm savoury. savoury, right, okay, okay. Uh, what about savoury? Oh, um... Have you got any of these things you're offering, by the way, or not? Mars Duo? Yeah? No. Um, what's, what's the... I'm, just, I'm just thinking what's nearby that's close, so one. I could go and... Um, uh, bacon Bap. Yes, please. Cool. Brilliant. I don't, I don't have that either. going on there, me, this is ridiculous. And the, and the, and the phone's just fallen off. <laughs> You can't eat that. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, got the chance to get out and about and do something that felt a little bit normal on Saturday. Uh, we had tickets. Uh, they'd been booked for ages for the Jurassic World exhibition at London's XL. I would say that your household is mad about dinosaurs. <laughs> it kind of has to be. Uh, we're all following suit from the little man. Yeah, no, Rocco loves his dinosaurs. Um, he is four. He has seen every single Jurassic World pe- um, film. Judge the parenting. Go for it. That's fine. Uh, but, yeah, went along on Saturday morning. I have to say, it was magnificent. It was absolutely amazing. It, it kind of took from... I've seen the videos on on, uh, on, your, on your wife's, like, um, Instagram stories and stuff, Natalie's Instagram stories. It took, like, in, you know, uh, interactive to the next level. Like, you, you think about what we went round when we yeah. were kids in the 80s. Yeah. It's not a patch on what kids have got these days. No, you walk in and then suddenly there's a great big Brachiosaurus with the massive uh, Jurassic World, like, gates with the little flames coming from them. And then you go into another, another part of the exhibition and you're in uh, Hammond's sort of, like, uh, laboratory trees with, with new dinosaurs being born and of course to a four year old he's thinking this is it I'm finally here I've wanted to see dinosaurs for a long time finally they've listened and taken me I just hope he knows how lucky he is and if he doesn't <laughs> do us a favour take him to Morwellum Quay where I went when I was a kid <laughs> and watch someone in an outfit make a barrel but look we need to talk movie memorabilia because it's all this real stuff there and it's absolutely amazing and the thing that blew his mind he got to sit in the gyrospheres uh, which appear, appear in the, like the, the Jurassic World movies towards the end, these balls that move around the park. He thought that was amazing. I'd love, I'd love to have a gyrosphere at home. Imagine you having your own gyrosphere. Imagine um, that, just saying, I'm just going to take a can of lager and just chill out in the gyrosphere for a bit. They only go about four miles an hour. You could roll down to the pub in that. Imagine roll, that'd be, you know, Zorbin never really caught on, did it? No. This could be it. It's because it's too fast. Jurassic World got it right. I imagine if I was to zorb to the pub or gyrospheres to the pub, I'd do it like you, you have to get the rolling right, so I'd probably end up ups, upside down or my change would land on me. Imagine what that. would you like? Well, I was, I'd be contemplating whether I can talk about this and I'm just think, do you know what? What the hell? Let's just talk about it. I would love to have a naughty hologram from Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> Do you remember he gets off with a hologram? Imagine that, getting off with a hologram. 
And sometimes I like to think that I could sit here and at least come up with five ideas of what you're about to say. That wasn't on him. <laughs> I'd love to. Imagine Naughty Hologram. Do you know what I'm, I mean? I'm imagining, yeah. He just gets in from work, has a can of lager, presses a button, Naughty Hologram. Switches it on. Gets off with it. Um, Liz has gone with Andy Dufresne's chess set, which is a little bit different. <laughs> Sounds like a feature on this show. <laughs> Speaking of, I mean, I don't know a lot about uh, Jurassic World, which would have come through in our interview with um, <laughs> with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, but wouldn't you have wanted though the most iconic thing in the world in the whole Jurassic? Thing, I don't know if it appears in the other movies. The old cane with the amber tip with the old dinosaur. Imagine having a little amber tip dinosaur, uh, you know, mosquito or whatever. In fairness, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Right, you can't it? do much with it, can you? Once you've got it in your hand and you're walking around all cane-like, you close cupboard doors without having to get up. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not not how it was intended. A few minutes ago, we were only just saying how great it would be to roll down to the pub at five miles an hour in a gyrosphere. I know, now look at us. But sitting down with a cane, <laughs> closing furniture. Uh, Stu says on Twitter, at Absolute Radio, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, he would love a Stormtrooper's uh, helmet. I, I mean, I love the whole blaster rifle thing, or the blaster pistols from yep. Star Wars. That'd be very cool, I reckon. Um, Star Wars featuring uh, heavily uh, Wilco going with uh, lightsaber. That would be good. Or just having Han Solo in Carbonite. Just, I don't know, by, by uh, your Welsh dresser. I go back to uh, your, your, your tipped cane. Do you think a lightsaber is closing cupboard doors? It could do. <laughs> Very dangerous, though. We don't advise it. Don't try it at home. What would it be, Mark? Tell us. Uh, the Predator and Alien life-size. Right. Like, proper big, like, just like... Yeah. One-to-one scale Predator and a one-to-one scale Alien. And where's that going, Mark? <laughs> I don't know, but the missus might be moved out of the bedroom. <laughs> well, I don't know what you've got planned for the two uh, dolls there, Mark. Probably not the show for it. What, what, what's the best one out of the two, incidentally? Because I mean, there was like uh, Alien versus Predator and everything. Which, which well, is the, the best? The first one was obviously Alien with Sigourney Weaver, and that, that was, you know, I was about 14 at the time, and sort of like the jump out of your seat factor in the first film was fantastic. But I sort of probably edged towards the Predator as being a real sort of like sports hunter. So if it was one or t'other that you got out in the bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> are we giving him this hypothetical situation? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. We're going to leave it there. <laughs> uh, Raz is in Surrey. Says I'd love to have the box from under the pew in the church that Nicolas Cage picks up in the film The Rock, as instructed by Sean Connery. One of the finest movies of all time. I've seen that movie and I can't remember that bit. I, I love people who've got forensic memory of little things that happen in films. It's the last scene. I can't, I can't remember it. There may be some people that haven't seen The Rock. I don't want to do a spoiler, but it's oh. the last scene. You ruined Sixth Sense last week, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, Joe is poolside in Mallorca. Ooh. Get you. Uh, what are you wanting from the movies? Uh, the necklace from Pretty Woman. The necklace from Pretty Woman? I can't remember the necklace from Pretty Woman. Tell us about that. I think it was a ruby one, but it was worth a quarter of a million dollars back then. Back wow. then? So we're talking 80s, so, well, early 90s, actually. So 1990s. There you go. Kind of bit of both. Oh, um, what's the story about it, though? Does <laughs> he give it to her as, like, a, a present at the end, or where is it in the film? He, he flew her out to a opera on a private jet and gave her... She was dressed in a very long red dress and he said, there's something missing. Um, and she said, I don't think anything's going to get into this dress. Um, and produced this necklace that he's hired from a shop. So, Joe, obviously you've uh, very much memorised that scene. Did you want the necklace from that moment uh, or are you wanting it as an investment, thinking of what it was worth then rather than what it's worth now? 
phone. I'd like it then. It's nice to get a call from someone on top of Dartmoor, though, isn't it? Just to see how it is. <laughs> yeah, she's out and about. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cheers, Joe. Thank you. The Daily Takeaway. Richie's daily takeaway. So these are, uh, you don't need us to tell you this, unusual times at the moment. We're kind of watching history unfold as we speak. Powerful scenes taking place right now at St Giles's Cathedral in Edinburgh. The Queen's Coffin there, you can see it on like 24-hour news yourself, draped in a flag. All the royals there are in full colours, medals and finery and all that kind of thing. It's kind of mad to see. We are witnessing history. This is a historical moment. And uh, these, you know, this and the scenes outside Buckingham Palace with laying the flowers and the walkabout from Wills and Kate and Meghan and Harry and the procession of the coffin from Balmoral through the streets of Edinburgh and now to the cathedral itself, the streets packed with people. These are moments that, like, kids in the future will read about in the history books. Yeah, yeah. And there'll be old kind of, probably, like, slightly faded colour photos of it and it'll look really old, a little bit like, uh, you know, like JFK's funeral when we were kids, that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, you might say to yourself, you know, mum or dad, where were you when this kind of stuff was happening? I always respect people, though, who uh, feel compelled to go out and see this stuff for themselves. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, put their coats on and go and have a look at it. Because I, I guess in, like, the olden days, before social media or, or, like, rolling news, if you wanted to see this stuff, you, you literally had to leave the house and go and view it for yourself. So, like, VE Day and all that kind of stuff. You've seen those amazing photos. But that wasn't someone texting them or watching it on their phone on the train. You go and had to go and have a look. So, uh, you know, respect to those people who have lined the streets, you know, by the, the palace or put flowers out or, you know, or even people just pulled over and, and watched the, the uh, procession of the coffin from Balmoral, they're, they're witnessing witnessing history for themselves, you know what I mean? Which is an amazing thing. So to turn this into something that we could talk about this hour on Home Time, just it'll be interesting to ask the question, is there a moment of history that you have been there to see for yourself? Like, n- not just watching it on the screen, you've gone down there, you've seen it, you happen to have been around when it's taken place, and you've got that with you for the rest of your life. I'll chuck one straight in, but uh, I'll fully admit, I'm expecting that hundreds of thousands of people will have done this. Are you, would you include like going out to see the Olympic torch? Yeah, totally. I went and did that on a roundabout in Guildford, waiting for a while for that to. Uh, Gla- that glamorous to location. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but you. you can say that you've seen that though, which is an amazing thing, and not, yeah. not that many people can say that they've seen it. Do All right, know? can I go for a second? Go on, go on, go on, go on. Uh, Flying Scotsman. The day that that returned to the main line, I got up early and went and saw that go through well in north. So for you, that is predominantly trains. For me, there was there was a uh, chippy in Churston in Devon called the Frying Scotsman. He used to do <laughs> unusual chips. That's the main thing I'm getting from that. That's history, though. That is history the happening. Scotsman returning to the rails. All right, then. I'm going to chuck my hat in the ring here, right? Uh, we were there broadcasting at the radio station I worked at previously in Bristol for the final Concorde flight into Filton, November 2003. Oh, uh, wow. I remember watching... Ironically, I remember watching that on the news, and you were there. I was there. I, I didn't watch the Flying Scotsman thing on the news, though, <laughs> I have to say. Roundabout. I wasn't around the uh, roundabout either. Blake says, Derby County had one win in a Premier League season. They scored just 11 points. I went to every game home and away. I don't think I've ever been the same since. Do you know what, in my dark times during Everton's last season, I did think in those dark moments about Derby County... <laughs> And it thought it could actually be worse. Uh, Ryan says, I was in the studio to witness the first ever £250,000 winner on Deal or No Deal. I used to be so addicted to Deal or No Deal. Do you remember when he used to write stuff on his hand? Yes. You, like Noel? Yeah. There was a really good documentary about Noel uh, last weekend, actually. But, yeah, he used to write, like, stuff on his hand, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Not like, just, like, um, doodles and stuff. Messages to the universe. Give it a go.
Uh, Colin says, I took my daughter on the HMS Ark Royal during her last ever UK port visit. I think that's Ark Royal, not his daughter. And there was an open day in North Shields. He's got a photo of it. What a thing to take your kid on. Now, sometimes, of course, you don't know that history is about to become history. Exactly. You think you're just at something and then it turns out, oh my goodness, that's history. Didn't bargain on that. That's the case for Ross. It's a sporting one. Brian Lara's 501 not out for Warwickshire. Oof. Wasn't there for the whole innings, but the important bit. So that has never been beaten? Never been beaten, no. I don't think it ever will be. It's I, incredible. I don't know about cricket, but I would say it's a hell of a knock. It's quite a knock. It's a good knock, isn't it? Uh, Jamie says uh, he witnessed something historic. Tony Blair's last day of being Prime Minister. He did PMQs. Uh, Jamie says he worked in Parliament at the time. Uh, he went to the door where Tony Blair would normally exit the House of Commons to get the car. And he thought, oh, there'll be a crowd, so we'll get there early. Tony Blair comes out the door, right? On his own, Jamie's the only one there. A policeman takes a photo of Jamie shaking hands with Tony Blair, and that is Tony Blair's last House of Commons handshake before going to the Queen as the Prime Minister. I would imagine there's been evenings where Tony Blair has thought, thought about, about that. that last Commons <laughs> handshake before he then went on and shook hands with the Queen and, and, and wondered where Jamie was. And I hope, Jamie, for your sake, you had a firm handshake, because I find if you do shake hands with someone and it's quite a weak handshake, that stays with you. So many questions. Uh, Adam says, my mate at primary school was the one millionth person to climb up London's monument. Ooh. Got on the lunchtime ITV news with him, I did. Still no idea why they made such a big deal out of it. I love that. I, I went up the monument as a school trip as well, because that could have been me. That's unbelievable. I missed I out. I don't think I could. It's too, too narrow. Give it is the, very narrow. Give me the willies, I'm pretty sure. Uh, this text says, this is Joe in Harborne. Guys, not quite in the realms of today's historical news, but I was there at Donnell Mill store in Albury when Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen visited in 2000. That's the best I can do. I'll take that. <laughs> Let's see what Trudy has. Trudy, what history did you see? I witnessed a full total eclipse of the sun in Cornwall in 1999. Wow. Now, I remember that eclipse. That was huge, wasn't it, at the time? And it was, uh, yeah. Everyone was racing down to Cornwall to go and see it. Why, why was that? Uh, because, I, well, I don't know when the last one was, but I know the next one isn't until 2090. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be alive for that one. Well, I don't know. Give yourself a chance. Positive take your mental attitude. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but I think, um, wasn't there something about Cornwall being the best place to see it or something? Uh, there was. was. Yeah. Uh, that was I... where totality was going to happen. I think in London it got a bit dreary, but in Cornwall... Doesn't it always? Cornwall it went, yeah. But in Cornwall it actually went dark, dark, like nighttime dark. Trudy, you're right. It was amazing. Uh, there was totality in Cornwall. I was uh, hosting a local radio breakfast show along the coast in Dorset at the time. Oh, yeah. And you know how radio never misses out on uh, a chance <laughs> to join in on something. Uh, we did a Eclipse Roadshow from wow. the, <laughs> from the uh, Pier Approach, uh, ready for um, the Dorset Eclipse. Uh, and it never really got that dark. It just felt like it was overcast. Well, like Trudy was saying, bring it back 2090. Let's just see if we can still hang in there until then. <laughs> The Eclipse Roadshow. I, I, I have to tell everyone about it that, you know, it, it was, it went cold, the birds stopped singing, and we were on a cliff. And if you looked out to sea, you could see the shadow, you could see like the sun. Oh, wow. And did you did you see look through something like a bit of uh, they were like getting people to look through the end of like a bottle of uh, Grolsch and stuff, weren't they? Um, well, unfortunately, at the time that totality happened, it went quite cloudy, so you oh. couldn't actually see. Oh, 
Should have come to our Clips Roadshow, you know. There was a hell of a party going on in Bournemouth with Richie there. We had a dancing troupe. <laughs> uh, someone who's got a Twitter account that I can't say on this show, you park like a bad word, has tweeted to say, I was at the V Festival in Essex in 2009 when a wave of grief swept through the attending expectant Oasis fans who'd just heard that the band had split up after the previous night's performance at the V Fest in Staffordshire. They enjoyed, though, an extended set from Razorlight and MGMT. I was at that same gig. Well, that must be like, like spreading like wildfire that they've split up. I could have told that story instead of the Olympic torch and the Guildford roundabout. There you go. That would have been it. <laughs> Let's hope Chris is <laughs> hanging on with something better. In 1983, when I was a little nipper, I went to Stansted Airport up the road and got to see the space shuttle. What? Space shuttle? Stansted Airport? Indeed. It all happens around there. Chris, <laughs> I-, I live about, well, certainly as the plane flies, about two minutes from, like, touchdown at Stansted. I've never seen the shuttle go over. I've seen a few Ryanairs and EasyJets, but are you sure about this? Definitely, Richie. Uh, I'm not far away myself, mate. You can look it up on Google. 1983, the space shuttle was on the back of some big old jumbo something. <laughs> Because you never know. You I never know with kids, though, because, I mean, I remember when I was at school, there was a lad in my year called Timothy Gearing, right, and he came into school one day with, uh, like, a bullet and said that he'd hung his combat trousers on the line. This is during the Falklands War, and they'd found a bullet in the garden and someone had shot at his trousers, and we were like, oh, my God, the war's on our very doorstep. So <laughs> you never know what kids say. Although Anita Foster has tweeted to say, I remember when the space shuttle Enterprise flew over my high school in 1983, so maybe... Chris, I, there's uh, no-one quicker at Googling than me. Uh, I'm going to start Googling. You've got the chance to retract and apologise before I get to the end of this Google search. I, I retract nothing at all. <laughs> He's doubling down. He's doubling down on it. 1983, Stansted Airport... Space shuttle. Whoa! It's for real? Yeah. <laughs> but what was the shuttle doing in Stansted Airport? I thought it was like Cape Canaveral and all that kind of stuff. Do I have to apologise back know, to I him? I think you might have to apologise. Yeah, do I get a tea towel for the apology? <laughs> I don't think we're quite at the tea towel stage yet. <laughs> I think we've got some spare, though. <laughs> this is the Daily Takeaway. There's something about Sunday nights, isn't it? It's got, like, a certain vibe. And last night I kind of became self-aware that I was, I kid you not, ironing school uniforms in the lounge with a big light on. I thought, oh, my God, that's, like, the most Sunday night thing ever. I was ironing my uh, four-year-old daughter Thea's uh, little school tops. And, like, I remember my mum doing that when we were a kid. Big light on ironing gives you that pit-of-stomach school feeling. Sunday nights. It's weird, isn't it? The, the big light as a kid... As you say, only ever went on for the ironing on that Sunday night. And I never really understood why the big light had to come on for it. It's like, oh, come on, this isn't much fun. <laughs> well, but if, you do... if you look at my ironing, actually, you <laughs> probably should have put the big light on. <laughs> you do kind of have to put that big light on, because otherwise you aren't going to see what, what kind of job you're doing. Well, someone's tweeted to say that the only times the big light should come on is uh, for ironing or if you're trying to find an insect. Which is probably true. Well, yeah, but the insect's going to go to the big light and then it's on the light and you've got to wallop it and you might end up with a, a damaged shade. Well, this is it. It can spiral out of control. But the point remains, there's something about Sunday night. So we want to try and distill that in the final hour of home time this evening. What, in your opinion, is the ultimate 
Sunday night activity. Pete Fern says, watching That's Life and eating Battenberg cake. <laughs> I was moaning last night that there wasn't anything to watch. I should have gone full Sunday night and gone Ballykiss Angel on UK Gold or something. Oh, that's pure Sunday, that's isn't it? That's pure Sunday, isn't it? Jez is on a roll. Listen to this. Four-hour drive home from Essex to Oxford after visiting grandparents. Yeah. Charlie Chester stroke sing something simple on the car radio. <laughs> Cheese stroke jam sandwiches with a glass of milk. Bath time, clean pyjamas, bed because it's school in the morning. And then reading Biggles before lights out at 8 o'clock. Sunday night, isn't it? Sunday night. So many are so different, but they scream Sunday. Uh, Rui says there used to be uh, a roast while watching mm. Football Italia on Channel 4. Oh, One yes. set of grandparents would come round uh, and then mum would insist on putting on the Antiques Roadshow in the evening. Pure Sunday night. Alan says, having a bath, then watching all creatures great and small in front of a gas fire. <laughs> And Tea Drinker says watching Poseidon Adventure with a chippy tea and a glass of cream soda. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. We're loving your comments into the show this evening, asking you if you've ever witnessed history happening. Obviously, a lot of historical stuff going on at the moment. If you're one of the people that's gone out there, off your own back to put your coat on and go and see it, respect to you. Uh, one of my favourite board game designers has tweeted the show, Mark Herman. Uh, and he has tweeted to say he has witnessed three presidential inaugurations. He's an American. Wow. Uh, Nixon, second. Clinton, first. Obama, first. What about that? So, joint first, Obama and Clinton. I don't understand. Does he mean that... Oh, as in the first inauguration? Yeah, so what did uh, Clinton... Did Nixon get two goes at being the president? Surely not. <laughs> what a historical educational show it's been I did. Today. I did American studies. I don't even know this. <laughs> What's this going text, on? This text here says, I was at the Rugby World Cup final uh, in Australia in 2003. I was right behind the posts when Wilco dropped his goal. Uh, says that particular text, a sporting one. Uh, what about this? Sorry, uh, Nixon's second term ended early when he became the only president to resign from office following the Watergate scandal. There we go, of course. Bit of Googling. Uh, <laughs> Dave, where were you that was historical? Um, I was at the uh, recording of the two Ronnie's Four Candles sketch. Oh, wow. One of the greatest comedy sketches of all time, and I, I always wonder about studio audience with that. So what, what are you doing whilst that's on? and What's the, the setup and the situation? Um, well, it's a bit like going to the theatre. You go into the BBC recording studios, there's about 200 seats, and uh, they, they film one sketch, then a bit chat, check it's all work, and then set up the scenery and do another sketch, and so on. So you get your bite-sized pieces. Dave, when it happened, I mean, obviously, mm. historically now, it's one of the greatest sketches of all time. When it yeah. happened, hand on heart, did you think, I've just witnessed history, or do you think that's funny? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was very, very funny. It really didn't work in translation the next day at school. He said, I want four candles. He brings me four candles. He said, no, I want four candles. You know, so it really didn't translate. <laughs> what an amazing thing to have gone and seen as a kid, though. Yeah. What a brilliant thing. Yeah, yeah. I saw loads of film, saw TV comedies and stuff being recorded. It's all good life and... Uh, and uh, you know, various bits and pieces. That was a, that was a standout one, certainly. The Daily Takeaway. Bush and Richie's Daily Takeaway. At the beginning of this podcast, uh, we were talking about bacon baps uh, and how it was going to fill a hole with you. Yeah. I think one of the greatest developments of. Are we in the 20th or 21st century? I, you know what, I've stopped saying it because I don't know which one we're in. One of the greatest developments of the last 25 years uh -huh. have been um, supermarkets uh, with their little hot chilli cabinet thing. Oh, they're lovely, aren't they? You know, where you can just go and get like a bap that's hot. Or like you know, chicken wings. I'm normally too I'm too scared to go over there. Normally, the deli bit, yeah. I stay away from that because like you could accidentally end up like buying 150 pounds worth of ham <laughs> just because you don't want to be like 
you know, admit that you've got the wrong weights and measurements, but yeah. um, rotisserie chickens, that's a nice thing, getting them in a little bag as well. Yeah, I, I like getting a nice little Cumberland ring. I heard that rumour. 